Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder and leader of the Healthcare Practice Group at Retzel and Andrus. I'm joined by Christina Kuda, also part of the Health Law Group and my favorite guest to have on the show. She brings her expertise in healthcare. And today, we're going to be talking about starting a med spa practice from scratch and or adding med spa services to an already existing medical practice. Well, Christina and I see a lot of these. We work on a lot of them and we correct a lot of them that have not been set up properly. So first, I want to start by just talking about a brand new practice. So Christina, let's talk about somebody comes to you and they are not a physician or a licensed healthcare provider, and they want to start a med spa. Take us through kind of your discussion with them and some of the things they need to think about. Yes. So if someone comes to me and says, I want to start a med spa, but I'm not a licensed provider. I'm not an APRN. I'm not a physician, but I'd like to start a med spa practice. One of the first things we need to do is find out where that practice is going to be located and what the laws are of that state regarding um, med spa services and also general medical services. So in Illinois, for example, where we are physically located, um, there are quite a lot of rules related to med spas. So people who are uh, what I call lay people, unlicensed people, cannot own and operate a med spa for a variety of reasons. Illinois has a corporate practice of medicine prohibition. So if a service is considered the practice of medicine, an unlicensed person can't own it and can't generally profit from it. And um, Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation has put out a number of services, including things you wouldn't necessarily think, like anything radio frequency, um, you know, certain kind of, you know, derm abrasion or certain type of skin services, certain types of laser services are all considered the practice of medicine. And Illinois is not unique in that regard. Many states follow the same model. So what we need to do is come up with an active approach to where someone who isn't licensed can be involved in the med spa and the med spa process, but likely needs to partner with a physician or perhaps an advanced um, practice registered nurse to actually own the structure and the business that is going to be providing those medical services. Um, and, and typically, you know, how we do that is we set up a, a very common approach as a management model. The unlicensed person will own a management entity, will contract with the medical practice to manage the services and provide administrative services, provide unlicensed personnel, et cetera. Um, but the services actually do need to per- be provided through an entity owned by a licensed person. And most of the time, you indicated we correct a lot of these issues. Um, 90% of the time, the correction is someone comes to us without a license and they've been owning a med spa and they've been. Uh, offering Botox, having a nurse injector inject Botox. Well, there's a number of reasons in Illinois and many other states that that is not legal. So that's sort of how we um, first get involved and have to unwind those transactions to set them up appropriately. Right. All right. One of the issues you and I also sometimes come across is that you'll have an unlicensed person owning an entity and they'll think that they can resolve the issue just by hiring a physician to be the medical director. And uh, to me, this is not only, you know, the 
uh, corporate practice of medicine because you have somebody who's not licensed owning an entity and kind of practicing what many states consider to be medicine. But then you have a physician who's kind of sanctioning it by being a medical director. Can you speak to what you see in those arrangements and how we fix those? Yeah, so again, as you indicated, there are a number of problems with that. Being the corporate practice of medicine, um, a lot of states have fee splitting prohibitions where you can't, an unlicensed person or an entity owned by an unlicensed person can't take fees for medical services. So just hiring a medical director doesn't really sanitize that. So again, what we usually do in these approaches, the person that's going to be the medical director, generally it's arranged that they own a medical entity and then um, we set up a management structure arrangement between the parties. So the, right. the entity that had been providing the services that's owned by an unlicensed right. person now becomes the management entity in right. services. So in that, by doing, by correcting that, we're, we don't want doctors to help somebody who's not licensed to practice medicine because they're going to put their license at risk. You know, which is something I want to emphasize because a lot of doctors think they could just make some money on the side by being a medical director of a med spa, but they really need to do their homework and make sure it's a legit med spa based on um, the actual laws in that state. And then a lot of times they're asked to step in and just be the owner of that med spa and really not otherwise be involved, thereby letting that, you know, MSO just control that practice. But uh, and I want to kind of dive into this a little bit. When a doctor is willing to put their name and their license on the line by being the friendly physician in that med spa model, they also should be talking to a lawyer. Because what we really want to do is make sure, was it set up properly? Is the doctor somehow going to be on the hook, whether liability-wise, financially-wise, tax-wise, et cetera? So because of the doctor's license in many states, these things not set up properly are violations of the Medical Practice Act in those states and can come back to bite the doctor. So it's not, I mean, there are many other issues, but this is the one I kind of want to speak to right now, which is doctor risk and being involved. Absolutely. So, I mean, a number of the rules and medical practice acts apply to the licensed physician. So if a physician just owns the entity and has no involvement, it walks away. We see this a lot, doesn't know what's going on there. The fact that they say, well, I didn't know they were doing that, or I didn't know something inappropriate was happening, isn't going to help that physician. They are sort of charged by use of their license as the owner of the practice with knowing what is going on there. Um, also, we have an issue sometimes with DEA, because what we see a lot in these practices really is Botox, derma fillers, things like that. And for whatever reason, a lot of people have it in their mind that shooting Botox is just anyone can do it. Just as long as you get a nurse to do it, it's fine. That's not the case. That's absolutely considered the practice of medicine. And the problem we run into, at least from a physician issue of potential risk of their license, is they'll allow their DEA number to be used to buy the Botox because then you and me can't just buy Botox in that kind of quantity to be able to offer it at a med spa. So now they have ordered, they've allowed their DEA number to be used. They have no idea if it's being stored properly, if it's being um, injected properly. Also, particularly in Illinois, but again in other states, because it's the practice of medicine, you actually are required to have someone, either a, a PA, an APRN, or a physician who is licensed in that state actually do an assessment and evaluation of a person first 
before the person undergoes any type of Botox or, or derma filler injection. And the med spas we see, people just walk in and say, I want Botox. They sit down in a chair and a nurse injector comes in and injects the Botox. Absolutely improper in Illinois and many other states. There has to be an assessment first. So the doctor that owns that practice that's just having a nurse inject with no evaluation by a physician or an APRN, for example, is putting their license at risk and also putting their you know, potential liability at issue with malpractice. If that nurse injector makes a mistake, if something happens, um, that physician's done no oversight. What if someone Botox was contraindicated and the physician would have known had she or she done an evaluation? They don't do an evaluation. The person has a bad reaction to it. These are now all issues for the physician with respect to professional liability and issues with their license. So absolutely, any physician being asked to be a spot owner or you know, medical director or anything needs to get a, a legal consultation with someone who understands the med spa structure and understands how medical practices need to operate in the state where the spa will be located. It's very critical because most of the risk in these arrangements really falls on the licensed person. Right. And I think it's also important that just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you know how to do Botox or other types of cosmetic services. If you're delegating to somebody to do it under your supervision, or you're having a mid-level that you're collaborating with do it, you're supposed to have expertise in that area. Uh, either you've gotten the certification or you've taken the classes, whatever's the requirement. But I mean, if you're like a gastroenterologist and this is just a way for you to make money on the side, it's not a great idea because you really are not supposed to be supervising in an area where you lack that expertise as well. Absolutely. And also retired physicians. So we get a lot of physicians who are retired, not in active practice, but still maintain a license who maybe want to pick up some extra money or just remain tangentially involved in, in healthcare practice. So they'll, they'll own a spa or work with a spa. Um, the problem with that is when you're going to be like a collaborative physician for a PA or an APR and you're required to be an active practice. You're required to be practicing in the area actively of which you're supervising these folks or collaborating with these folks. So being just a retired physician doesn't necessarily allow you under the law to act as a collaborative physician in those circumstances. Okay, perfect. All right, so one other thing I wanna just touch on this topic is we mentioned that in order to allow a non-licensed person to participate in a med spa, they would manage the practice that's owned by a properly licensed person. Who can own that entity depends on the state that you're sitting in. Um, you know, typically, we're talking about um, cash type services here, not talking about insurance, not talking about Medicare, and that would be a, a very different topic. So let's talk a little bit about what these management agreements look like. Uh, what's provided under the management agreement and how that manager can be paid for those services. Sure. So typical services are administrative and managerial. So the management any will enter an agreement. It'll say, look, we'll provide the front desk people. We'll provide the billing. You know, we'll provide the storage and management of records. We might even provide the space and, you know, the ability for you to use a certain space. Um, we'll provide all the supplies and equipment that uh, you don't need to be licensed to provide. Like I said earlier, you need to have a license and DEA to buy Botox, but to buy other things like, you know, gowns or, um, you know, 
paper towels, things like that. You don't need to have licenses. So we'll provide all those supplies. Generally, they also provide unlicensed people. So if there's medical assistants that are going to assist in certain procedures or, you know, help in certain ways, um, you know, if they're going to have massage therapy, sometimes that will be something that is found along with it. They might provide a massage therapist. So unlicensed people, they're not going to provide the, the, we never recommend they provide the APRNs, the physician assistants, the nurses, anything like that. They should be employed directly by the, the medical entity. So think of all the things you can do that don't involve a license, they would provide that. Um, how they get paid is interesting because in many states, they have fee splitting prohibitions. And those fee splitting prohibitions say that a non-professional person or non-professional entity can't receive a percentage of income from a professional entity. So paying on a percentage, saying we'll take 50% of what you collect for these services isn't allowed in many states. So it needs to be flat fees for services or what we call cost plus. So the manager says it cost me $10,000 this month to provide everything I provided to you. So we're going to get paid you know, $10,000 plus 20% or something like that. Or a flat fee arrangement. You're just going to pay us a flat fee every month. Um, percentage arrangements are not allowed in, in many circumstances. So um, we, we tend to stay away from them as, as much as possible. Okay, perfect. All right. So one last little nuance to this that I want to cover here is what if you've already got a practice and you want to add some aesthetic services? We see this happening, especially like uh, internal medicine, ob gyne People are trying to get into these more lucrative cash-based uh, areas to supplement their existing practice or just based on demand by patients. And there are, you know, some things to think about here. We've covered some of them. Uh, one being that the physician still needs to be aware uh, and able to supervise the people providing the services. So if you're an ob and you don't know the first thing about doing Botox injections, you probably shouldn't be doing it, right? Uh, and you want to make sure that you get properly trained. But we've also run into some other issues um, when you have people with different licensure doing types of things in their offices um, that you wouldn't have expected them to do. Do you know, do you want to speak to that? Sure. So um, many states, and again, I can speak really directly to Illinois, but many states follow a similar model, which is you have to be careful how you are allowing people to provide services and what services they're allowed to provide. So uh, for example, you know, we've seen circumstances where medical assistants, which are unlicensed people, you know, might be providing a radio frequency type service, something that'll maybe eliminate some kind of fat deposits or something. That's considering the practice of medicine alone. If you delegate that service to a medical assistant, you as a physician need to make sure they're properly trained and educated how to do it and have to be on site when that service is provided because that's an unlicensed person providing a service. Doesn't mean you have to be in the room watching them, but you have to be in the suite where the services are being provided. Right. That's a requirement under the Medical Practice Act. So right. you have to be careful what the scope of licensure is for people that are providing certain services right. because many, often see estheticians that are providing services that aren't listed as services that are the practice of medicine. And they can't do that unless they're trained, educated, and there is a physician or APRN right. on site every time they're providing that service. 
We've actually seen issues with the medical board here in Illinois, where estheticians are doing stuff that they could do as a lay person under physician supervision, but which is outside their license as an esthetician. Mm -hmm. And the board will have an issue because they're identified on the practice site or wearing a tag that says esthetician. But when they're doing those services, they're not doing it as an esthetician. They're doing it as a purely unlicensed lay trained person, right? Uh, yeah. Supervised by a physician. And they've literally gotten called out for that. And who's responsible at the end of the day? The practice, right? right. And the doctor. So it, it's so many things always come back to the doctor. So if you've got an existing practice and you want to expand into these areas, you need to obtain training. You need to make sure your malpractice is covering it. You need to make sure that the people that you're having perform the services are allowed to or identified properly. Um, you need to make sure it's okay for, I have some dentists that like to do Botox and stuff and it's, it's very limited under the circumstances that they're able to do that as well. So no matter what, if you want to do med spa, it's great. It's a lot of money to be made, but you can't just dive into it because everybody else is doing it. And maybe other people are not getting all this advice and they're not getting caught, but you don't want to be the one that is caught and is doing it wrong. So, you know, that's the number one thing. I think you'll agree, you and I hear that, you know, people get away with it. And so they assume, you know, that there's no problem. And that, I hear that commonly. In fact, I've heard it three times from three different people last week that the way I'm telling them to do it, the, all the people on the street where they want to do this, don't do it that way. And that may very well be. But I also explain, you know, Department of Professional Regulation has a limited number of investigators. It's not like there's a routine where they go out every six months and look at what everybody's doing. It, it, they just, they're people that just haven't gotten caught. Doesn't mean they're not going to get caught. Doesn't mean when they get caught, it's not going to be a huge issue. And a few years ago, the FPR did do a big push and sent a lot of investigators out to a bunch of spas. And almost all of them got in trouble for something because they were not properly being operated. So it's like when I was a kid, my mom used to say, if everybody jumped off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge too? Kind of the same concept. You right. know, just because everybody's doing it one way, doesn't mean it's safe to do it. It doesn't right. insulate you from being the one practice that unfortunately gets tied up somehow and gets caught doing it inappropriately. Right. So we're, we're, our advice is, is purely legal. We want to comply with state law. There's a lot of people that are a lot looser about it and maybe they're getting away with it. Unfortunately, there's also um, some of these events, uh, these conferences that are put on uh, by third parties that kind of talk people into how to set up med spas, how to do med spas, and they aren't necessarily correct um, and they aren't necessarily correct under particular state laws. So I think if you're kind of buying into that package approach, you still need to get legal advice because if Christina and I could just tell you the number of these that, uh, that we've had to undo or fix that are violating uh, state law, you would probably be shocked. So we'll just leave it like that, <laughs> right? Um, all right, final thoughts? Um, yes, and I, you just touched on this a second, but I, I wanna reiterate, just because the gentleman trying to sell you the radio frequency machine tells you all you need is a medical director and you can do this, doesn't make it so. He wants to sell you the machine because he gets paid and the machine gets sold. And they never have researched individual state laws. They're looking at just general overall. So I mean, many, many times I'll get packets of information saying that the manufacturer of the machine says it's okay to do it this way. 
manufacturer's machine is not a lawyer and isn't practicing law in the state where you want to use that machine. So just be weary of, you know, the, the salesperson that tells you it's absolutely okay. Um, every time I've been told that, I've determined it's not okay. 100% fail right there. So, um, you know, just be smart, get good legal advice and understand there are a lot of implications to this. It's not as easy as just saying, hey, I want to do some Botox and I want to make some extra money. It's just not that simple. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks as always to Christina for joining us. I think this is a great topic. If you guys have any questions, you're, you've set one up, you're not sure if you're doing it right, you're thinking of getting involved, you're thinking of bringing uh, aesthetic medicine into your practice, uh, feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to answer any questions that you have and um, we're here and available. Please join us for other uh, Health Law Hotspot going forward and you can see some of our prior podcasts at ralaw.com. Thanks for joining us. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Retzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.